I'm trying to get into this ASMR thing. Did that work, guys? Let me know in the comments below. Like, subscribe. Hi, everybody. Yo, what's up, fam? How you doing? Okay, first off, to my fam members out there who have been listening to Listen Hanai. All your DMs on my Instagram, I get your messages. I love your screenshots of where you listen to Listen Honey. They listen to it like you guys are in traffic. You guys are watching your kids, making dinner. It's so dope. I also want to first introduce the person who introduced me to podcast world is my brother, Dennis Mai, who happens to be on the mic. What up, Dennis? Hello. Dennis started just dropping gems in my life about random things that I wouldn't read on the news or, you know, hear from friends. And I was like, where are you getting this knowledge? Because it's shit I didn't learn in school. And he's like, Jeannie, podcasts. And I also love having a male perspective on today's topic. So just let me bring you guys back to sex education. I just want to talk to my fam out there about what you learned about sex. Now, I don't know about y'all, and I, and I don't care to date myself because I love my fabulous 40s um, that I'm riding in right now. But back in school, when you guys learned about sex education, did it consist of your teacher with her, you know, mom jeans pulled up right past her fupa, running out of the room, going to get that, 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 I don't know, what was that thing, that tray or that wheelable trolley that held a big ass boxy TV and she'd pop a, v a video into the VCR and she'd roll it in front of us, dim the lights and be like, all y'all motherfuckers learn about sex and all the shit that you contract from this video, proceed. And the video was like two hours and you would fall asleep at your desk because it was all a bunch of like black and white and sepia toned imagery. It wasn't really a penis, it wasn't really a vagina, it was a fallopian tube and some cartoons and some big words and you still didn't know what the fuck was happening. But at the end of the day, you also knew that the girl sitting next to you, well I did, Melinda, not to call you out, but that she was over here sucking dick. I knew this in fifth grade and then I knew the boys over there were getting hard-ons because I could see it behind their sweats. They had their prints already. So I knew all this sexual stuff was going on, but that video didn't tell me anything. Fast forward to me thought and bopping in my high school years. I learned sex just really on the streets. And thank God Jesus protected me from, you know, getting harmed in any way. But my mental really got affected by the sexual interactions that I had with men and sometimes women and not really tying together the emotional effect that sex could have on you. And then later on in my 30s, learning the difference between intimacy and sex. So I would like to welcome to the room right now, Miss Shan Boudram. Woo! Popping up the cake. Yes! <laughs> so Shan Boudram, you are an intimacy educator. I love, I'm going to read Shan's Instagram account because that is what attracted me to Shan's work. Shan Booty is who she is on Instagram and is she is a certified intimacy educator that teaches people to be more competent and confident. Kind of like Dr. Ruth meets Rihanna. Tell me about that. Yes, I actually am doing a five day flirting challenge on my Instagram and day one of the challenges was like learn how to identify or explain what you do for a living in a short amount of time. That's flirtatious, that's interesting. And so that's based on a template that I gave everyone to use because I was so tired of meeting people in public and you ask, what do you do for a living? And they go into this like scroll of a soliloquy of what they do. And at the end of it, you just want to get away because they're about to have a seizure. So that was me being like, okay, let's all figure out how to answer this question in a way that's like invites conversation that's a little bit lascivious, but at the same time gets the point across. I so agree with you, especially with you and I both being Angela. We live in Los Angeles where everybody wants to know what you do. Yes. So everybody's fixated on finding the most 
coolest yet money-making sounding title so you don't sound broke, you don't sound like you're figuring yourself out when kind of we all are in some way, <laughs> shape, or form, even when we're in a, 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 a high, uh, in an actual employed job. Yes. Right? So give me an example. What would be the ingredients to make your intro sound flirtatious, inviting, and interesting? So I am a, and then insert blank here. So I am a certified intimacy educator. I am a professional dancer, whatever. I am a that. And after that, it's really important to focus on like, why do you do what you do for a living? Like, what is it that drew you to it? The passion part of it? The passion part. Don't tell me that you like oversee the fourth quarter sales analytics of... Give me the like why you wake up and it's excited. What about your job is like to a grade four. What what about your job would be enticing to them? And then kind okay. of like. Give me uh, give me a way. Let's say you are insecure about the fact that you're just an accountant. You're just an accountant. By the way, worst way to introduce yourself. Don't ever put the word just. Mm-hmm. I'm just a or PA. Or aspiring. Uh, uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why aspiring? Because are you six? Like, if you are an adult, then you probably have done something in that space, which means that you're actively working in it. You are a part of that community. So don't ever say aspiring. Okay. So let's say you are an accountant, but you don't feel like there's any bells and whistles you can attach to that. Give me your, what'd you call it? What's the challenge? You're that. It's a, oh, it's like a, it's a five-day flirting challenge. There was no, like, description for, like, okay, this is, so, like, what do you do for a living? So snaz up that, uh, that. Accountant. So I am a certified accountant that ensures that a Fortune 500 company can put the lights on every day. Kind of like, let's say, Warren Buffett meets Captain Planet or something. Okay. Okay. So you give relatable titles too, because LA does that. I do a lot of like show pitches or idea pitches. But people can't hear a new concept. They always have to hear it relating yes. to something else. It's got to be like if you come up with a new show, it'll be like keeping up with the Kardashians, but way more real than fake or whatever exactly. you might say. Yes. But they need something to relate it to. Interesting. So you do that in the relational world. Yes. It's just in general, like make intimacy your superpower, whether that is in the bedroom or that's just like in a five minute conversation. Like, how do you be the person who can make great connections? Yo, you're blowing my mind right now. I love that you just said make intimacy your superpower because I get judged for being too deep. Who? Like, who are these people? And <laughs> why are, are they your friends? <laughs> okay, so I don't like small talk. I fucking can't stand going to parties and having to make up some shit to say because you're stuck in this room for the next three hours. So I, I don't want to say, oh my God, girl, who are your shoes? I love them. I don't want that. I actually, that's my job on the red carpet. But I actually like more introspective questions. I want to ask you like, tell me what brought you here? I know mm. you could be anywhere else right now. You could be in your sweats, girl. What brought you here? That's a damn good question. Thank you. But all of my celebrity friends never started out from a basic question or never started because of a oh, I know this friend and you know this friend, so we both met. They've always been deep friends, and so my friends are locked for life. So you just said, make intimacy your superpower. Why, Shan? Because that's the whole point of life. It's the greatest joy of life. And that's like a statistical fact that two-thirds of what make up a happy life, according to sociologists, have to do with the quality and quantity of your relationships. So we spend so much time focused on, and that's even your spiritual relationship, but we spend so much time focused on your career self and mm. making your finances okay, your education, and yet that is important, but not as important as focusing on, hey, at the end of the day when I close my eyes, am I proud of who I loved and who loved me? That was just the silence of my mind being blown. <laughs> Did you hear it, Dennis? <laughs> you know what? And this is really interesting because, Dennis, you and I bond a lot because we have deep conversation. And- my mom and I, 
even we've grown closer because we can manage to have deeper conversation. So it's interesting that you're a intimacy educator, which really is a sex expert in yes. common terms. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I had you on the show is because you're a millennial. Yeah. Because that dusty ass video that my teacher showed me back when I was in fifth grade. Do you even know about that life? Yes. I went to a Catholic school and I describe my sex education really similar. We had a very androgynous gym teacher stand up in front of a basic like diagram of a vulva. And then she described every body part with this sweeping magician hand motion. So I didn't know where the fuck anything was. She was like, this is your labia majora. You've got a clitoris. There's an anus. And so I, when I was growing up, I truly believed that the clitoris was a magical button inside of the vagina that only the right penis could find. I'm not saying growing up like six. I mean like 16 years old. Okay. I firmly believed right, this. Right, right. And so with this knowledge, because... I want to compare what I knew and what I did compared to what you knew and what you did because you also were lost too. We both went oh, with yes. the magical hand wand of yes. where the fuck is I was what? lost using every penis as my compass. Like, I, is this the one that's going to help me find myself? Right, right. And I remember, you know when they would tell you to put a mirror down there so you could see Ooh, what was they happening? they told you that. Yeah. Well, actually it was Seventeen Magazine. Okay. Seventeen Magazine taught me a little bit more in sex ed. No, a lot more in sex ed because it was open and they had like, you know, very, very... um like clickbait conversations of sex, like, you know, have you checked down there? and Have you discovered what's really going on? So you're like, wait, what's going on? What am I missing? Is there a sale? <laughs> so you would put the mirror down there and there were just so many layers and pathways and you didn't, I mean, it just, and it looks scary when you don't know how to recognize it. And so I agree with you. So what were you, what was your sex life like with what you knew from your gym teacher? Oh, it was awful. I mean, I was really sexual at a very young age. I mean, like four or five years old. I just was, I I remember having like a consensual sexual experience with pillows, like talking to them and like at like six. And my Barbies were banned from being naked by the time I turned seven years old. Like they just never had clothes on. My mom would always come in the room, like, you know, when you finish playing and they'd be naked on top of each other. And she's like, we're not doing this anymore. Barbie goes to the shower with her clothes on from now on. That's the origin story of a lifetime. That's crazy. I thought it was going to be something like in high school, like everyone was like, hey, I want to talk to this guy. You know what I mean? They'd go to you and you'd like, no, or I yeah. want to break up with this person. Can you do it for me? I no, thought you were my that sex lazy. education yeah. career started because I sucked. You know, it wasn't because people oh, were coming crazy. to me. It was just that I had this natural passion for sexuality. And then I went to a Catholic school and came from a Caribbean household. So I knew it was bad, but it was still like this urge I had inside me. And so in my like teens, I don't know if you read the, the book, The Coldest Winter Ever. No, I haven't. Should I? Am I sleeping? No, you should not read it. Oh. It's like it's a fiction book that That's basically describes this girl who has all these sex capades and she has an orgasm the second the penis touches her vulva, like, like her vaginal opening. Oh, Shan, wait, you know why I wasn't reading that? Because I was busy reading Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Okay. Where the bitch was discovering her own damn self with her fingers and learned how to masturbate. And that is why I skipped summer school for like two summers because I was locked up in my bedroom doing the same discovery. That like, sounds like a better book though. So she, how did she masturbate though? So she masturbated just by touching herself. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere- Did in, she describe how? Yes, she described the sensation, which is the very V.C. Andrews, which was another like kind of sl- smutty novelist. 
but I learned how to. Oh, I thought it was a Christian book. I was like, what kind of Christian books are you <laughs> reading? This is progressive. Too. I thought that book was like, I th- I, oh, the title. D.C. Andrews? Made, oh, no, no, no. no, 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 no. D.C. Andrews was Flowers in the Attic and hey, God, Petals in the Wind. Margaret. That one. I hey, thought that God, was like it's... a chicken soup for the soul type of book. I didn't yeah. know that. I never knew that. Well, it is because Judy Bloom was woke on teaching women to explore the different layers of our personalities and our feelings. But she was the first one to write about mer- masturbation as far as, as far as I know. And when I learned about it, I didn't realize that you could bring pleasure to yourself. So then- How I, old were you? I was maybe, I was young like you. I was a little thought bopper. Um, I would say like nine. Oh, wow. So you started orgasming at nine. Yep, at nine. Well, then I also had some trauma that happened to me when I was nine. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I, I, to hear that. It's, thank you, thank you. But I am thankful to have learned to be violated so that I sought for intimacy quickly. So for you, Shan- Going back to you. But I'm, you sought for intimacy in a healthy way. Yes, I did. I sought for intimacy in an unhealthy way. How so? I just gave my body away to anybody who would give me a little bit of attention. Mm. I just, I actually didn't know that the, the difference between um, sexual gratific- gratification and intimacy. I think that if I thought somebody was nice to me, it was like my duty to exchange with sexuality. So I lo- had my first sexual experience at 16 to somebody I met that very same day. And by the time I turned like 18 years old, maybe I had like seven, eight sexual partners. I was just on this fast track. And at 19 years old, I had never had an orgasm. I had never really been in a positive relationship. And I decided at that point, okay, one or two things are happening. Either my parents and school was right. This is an awful, terrible thing that's going to ruin your life. Or I'm doing this all wrong. And I obviously didn't have anywhere to go. So I got a library card and I spent the whole summer in the library just reading books about sexuality. And I realized there that there's great information out there, but it's boring as fuck. Yeah. And that's when I thought to myself, there is a a niche for someone to come in and make sex education sexy. Ooh, I love that. Okay, so the reason why I was attracted to you is because you're a millennial sex educator, intimacy educator, to use your words exact. And I feel like it's dusty as fuck, our knowledge about it. And so I want to jump into what you understand about sex education and how you're trying to make it a lot sexier, like you just said. If you could get on a soapbox and tell everybody some basic things we need to reprogram about sex, our understanding of it, what would you tell people today? I would say sex is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's how you interact with it. And it's based on what your morals and values are, right? Like if you grew up with a lot of shame around masturbation, for example, it's likely that when you start to try to masturbate, you're still going to feel that negativity towards it. So not everybody, like sex positivity um, is not a choice. It's a destination. It takes a while to get there. It might take some deprogramming. It might take some like figuring out and some advanced conversations. And so I never try to push like a sexual truth on anybody. Like this is the way to be sexual because it's going to be different for everyone depending on what their background is, what their needs are and how their bodies work. Like even something as simple as acknowledging, like for me, clitoracy, which, you know, literacy about the clitoris did not exist. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't exist when I first began. Like when I first started, you know, 13 years ago, the question of I'm a woman and I can't orgasm was every day. I very rarely get that question anymore. Wait, go back to that because I was that bitch. But what? Wait, okay. Even though? There is a, well, I can do it on my own, but I couldn't find the way with a penis. So there's a huge percentage of women out there that are missing out on being able to orgasm because of something. What is that? I know a lot of women actually that can bring themselves to orgasm on their own, but not so great with the penis. I figured it out now, but I've, it's also because I've 
learned at an older age to that intimacy requires what you just said, make the experience what you want it. So I communicate, I guide. Why do we have Google Maps that tells us exactly what mm-hmm. fucking turn to make at what kilometer, but you're not telling your boy what to do? Like, yes. you should be able to talk about that. And it's actually hot as fuck. Yes. So for you, why do you feel that most women will struggle with that? And what are the, just to my listeners out there who may be that bitch, what can you tell them to do? It's kind of half anatomy and then also half maturity. And I don't mean maturity in like a, a, a negging way. I mean like maturity, just like understanding your body and knowing how to communicate that with others. But anatomy in a sense that two thirds of women are not going to orgasm from penetration alone. And there's a book that I love. It's called Come As You Are. And she essentially says that you can put it down to something called rule of thumb. And that means if the first digit of your thumb, like that, you know, the, the what is that called? That little the, the joint until what your nail is. Yeah, the crease. If your clitoris is further apart from your vaginal opening than that, you may have a difficult time achieving orgasm through penetration. Oh, hell yeah, it is. Is yours further or is it? So what she is basically saying is that you wouldn't achieve enough friction through <gasps> penetration if your clitoris is really high up. If your mine clitoris is. is closer. Mine's like a middle finger distance. Mine, I cannot achieve orgasm through penetration. And I'm somebody who has like gone to workshops. I've had G-spot experts work on me. It just is not possible for me. So what do you have to do? Uh, clitoris. I, this is the thing or I kind oral. of. oral. Only oral. Oh, oral works amazing. Or I can like play with my clitoris while penetration. I even really love the addition of like G-spot because I do still feel sensation there, just not enough to get me to like any kind of mountaintop yeah. or peak. But there are some women, I was on this podcast once and there was three women. So I said, the general status two thirds. So two of the women in the podcast were like clitoral orgasms only and they loved oral sex. And the other girl was like, I hate oral sex. It's a waste of my time. I only want penetration. Mm. The girls who were oral were like, you're just ashamed of your body. You think your vagina is gross. That's why you can't orgasm that way. And the girl who was a, a vaginal orgasm or said to the girls who were clitoral, well, you just aren't relaxed enough during sex. You're too tense. And I'm like, maybe your bodies just don't work the same maybe way. Maybe your pussies aren't <laughs> fucking yeah. like replicas of each other. Yeah. Wow, this is amazing. And come as you are. Okay, got that down as one of my reads. Um, tell me with men, what would you say to men when it comes to intimacy out there? What 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 is a one golden rule, Shan, that you would if you could podcast to everybody? What would you say to those gentlemen? For men having sex with women to have better sex or men to enjoy their bodies men more? Men in general, what would you say as an intimacy educator that most men just need to know? I would say just a rule of thumb is like be a tourist, not a tour guide. You'll have a much better time and you take the pressure off of yourself. Like, you don't have to come in with, like, this is the seven tricks that I know. Like, yeah. you know when you read Maxim magazines, like, five tips to make her come in her pants <laughs> and have her coming the next day and coming back for more and coming over the next... Like, why are we got to come so many times? Um, So I feel like if dudes took the pressure on themselves to be great in bed as a title and more like every person, I'm going to try to achieve that goal, but it might take me some time, I think you'd be a better lover. I, like always say this like I think people think that my title would be attractive to men it really isn't I notice that women are really intrigued by what I do and men tend to posture right away of like well what are your qualifications where did you go to school and then they'll start to tell me things or educate me and I'm like dude I'm not telling you I can fuck better than you like that's what they hear when they hear me say I talk about sex for a living they hear me saying well I'm better in bed than you are they put it into competition for yes exactly so I feel like if dude just took all that pressure off themselves to be like quote unquote like as a label great in bed They'd be better lovers. Wow. Okay. We got to take a break, but I got so many questions. So get ready, guys. I want to hear your answer to this too. Uh, to that one that you just asked? No, to like the question you asked. What is the advice that you would give to men? I got you. I got you, fam. Stay tuned. We're coming right back after this break. 
Welcome back, fam. I told you today was going to be a good one, right? Shan, I'm obsessed with your knowledge already. I have to hear your answer to this question. Okay, so which? what was the question again? What tip would you give to men to be better lovers in bed? I think number one, communication, soft and deep and throaty in, in, in your ear. There's, mm-hmm. there, it can, it's not done enough. Men think they sound corny, and it's not like... You want me to fuck you harder, bitch? You want to call me daddy? It's not that, dude. We don't want that. That's not, I mean, yeah, maybe sometimes. But I think like, baby, how's this feel? Do you want it a little harder? Do you want it softer? How's that feel? Can I, how about to the right? You got that? Do you like that? Like that turns me on and it's doing it, the combo. You're exactly. welcome to your podcast listeners for that sound bite that they get to have. <laughs> you mentioned ASMR earlier. Let's just <laughs> copy and paste that. Really? Thank <laughs> yeah, that you. that was great. That was oh great. Oh my God, that's such a big compliment. Thanks, friend. Make that your ringtone. But I think that when men combine what you just advised, Shan, which is be the tourist, ask, am I going too far? Baby, should I come back? Do you Mm -hmm. want this again? Let's make this round one more time. I'm going to make a U-turn right here and make you enjoy this. Like those things women love to hear. And women, it empowers women to tell you, my king, what to do. It's hot as fuck. So I would say that for men. For women, when it comes to what I would tell all women, I would say you are more of a queen when you own exactly what you want and you own exactly how you feel. If you're not sure if you should have sex yet, it actually sounds powerful as fuck if you open that up to the man of like, why should I have sex with you? Mm -hmm. Why should we be intimate? Why should we take this to that level? You tell me. Like you got to make it a conversation. Like we have that crazy conversation by ourselves and drive ourselves insane of like, should I do it? Should I not? Oh, fuck. I fucked him last night. Did I go too fast? Did I come too soon? Did I make him feel like he can have me now? Now I got to act a little hard. Now I got to be a little bit more resistant and a little bit more reserved because I gave myself too quick. So now I'm playing these games and it just fucks you up and it makes you confusing as hell. Yeah. And then it makes them label us crazy. And I don't like that. So I like to be more owning about how I feel and what my questions are, but in more of a, I know what I want. Why should you have what I want? You know, like, why should you be a part of this? So you take the power back into your hands and you allow the man to sell himself a little bit more on why he's the right one. So jumping off that question. That I was incredible advice, by the way. Really, friend? It was really beautiful. Took me 40 years, bitch. You know what I would She's say, here. too, was so important because when you first said it's about communication, I was about to roll my eyes because it's my pet peeve advice people give. Like you mm-hmm. have to communicate more in the bedroom. Okay. And I often say that people say communication is the key to a healthy relationship it's like the title of every self-help book right and it's like that's like saying that like paint is the key to art it's like no like paint is the medium it's how you use it that can make it beautiful or disastrous like not all communication is good communication like there is a strategy and an effective way of doing it and so it's not just talking and i love that you gave a fucking concrete incredible example the rest of you can play for the rest of the week over and over again um i also want to say as a quick thing because you're really good at dirty talk Oh, there's this new app called Juicebox that is it has an AI robot that teaches you how to dirty talk. So you text it and it's dirty talks back to you and then you can practice that way. So if you're not as good as Jeannie and you can't just pull that out on the fly and that feels intimidating to you because communication is a skill, I suggest doing that. Wow, this is I love resources, by the way. The same thing you just said about paint being a medium. We need actual hard, concrete resources to do what we're advising. So thank you for that. Dennis, can you write that down for me? Did you get that? He's already there. Slutbox, virtual coach. It better be on Android. How to dirty talk over text. Also, oh, it's over text. Okay, it's not like a... Audio. uh, Headphones in and then you talk it out. You've got to implement your own Uh, voice to it. uh, um, Yeah, you've got to drop your own like gems to it. 
Oh, oh, you mean uh, uh, like personalize it? Mad libs it. Mad libs it. Yeah. Okay. So based on can I just also say how cool it is? Is the brother and sister have this conversation together and it's not weird at all? I knew that soundbite that she did uh, was good because it made me cringe inside. Okay. I winced. You know. Oh, cool. Oh, so it moves you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's my sister. You know, oh, oh, clearly. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's the sister. So that I knew, like, oh fuck, they're gonna love that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. nice. Okay, so you're thinking as a podcast audience listener, and then you're also thinking as my brother. And for feeling me, as your brother, feeling as my brother. Got it. <laughs> Thank you guys. Yeah. And for me, yeah. the reason why I openly want to talk about sex is number one, I think it's way too taboo in my culture. Asian people do not talk about sex. And I actually can look at couples. And yes, this is judging. I'm gonna step out of my Christian box for a second. I can look at couples, Asian couples. And go, I know you guys have not fucked in like 20 years. Mm. I know that you guys. What does it look like? It just looks, <laughs> it looks, um, it looks sterile. It looks like the the household when you walk into the house. It's all work driven. It's completely service. You know how there's five love languages? It's all acts of service. So there's love, but there's no intimacy. Mm. There's no touch. There's no hand on the back when you serve your food. There's no walking by each other and just, you know. Eye contact, how are you doing? Maybe a moment away where you just whisper to the person like, you want dinner tonight or you want, like the softness of a bubble between you two. It's just come home, is there food in the fridge? What time are you coming back from work? Why didn't you wash this laundry? It's very work oriented and that's very common in Asian families. And I say this from a sexless marriage that I saw my parents in and then I just see it in my culture. So I know it well enough to speak about as far as the Vietnamese household for me. Now, I also think, so number one, I think sex needs to be more comfortable within families. I think parents need to have those conversations earlier with your kids about intimacy, but also not make it weird, you know? And and then you will have such a much more fruitful life and less ex-boyfriends that you hate when you actually enjoy the experience and you can walk away from a relationship saying, man, it didn't work out, but I wish the best for you because you're a cool dude. Yes. You know? Uh, yes. Instead of, because what really happens when we go wrong in relationships, it's because somebody misunderstood something, oversteered in the opposite direction to protect themselves. The other guy busts in ego or pride to protect himself. Two people start acting hard towards each other. And then you got all these Instagram quotes you're ready to post when you guys break up because you hate that motherfucker and you can't wait to not see him again or whatever it is. It's just too much. Yes. I so, call that like the, the needy narcissistic like conundrum that people play into. Where what is that? Essentially, it's like they go 50 steps, like they had this need for somebody. And so they overcompensate and just give a lot. They give, give, give. Okay. And then they look back and realize the other person hasn't reciprocated. And then they get really hard and like almost like self-indulgent. of like, who the fuck do they think they are? I'm a queen. I deserve so much more. Where the, the problem is you didn't walk in stride in intimacy. You didn't take that one step and stop and say, well, how do you feel? Do you want to come with me? Are we on the same page with this? Like, what's going on? Should I come back with you? Instead, you took 50 steps ahead, looked back and saw that they weren't matching you, got pissed off and now started to try to overcorrect and make the problem even bigger. Okay, you said it exactly right. And my friend helped me paint a visual that helped me actually check myself just recently. So she described my girl, Kim, shout out to Kim in New York. She described the relationship back and forth, like a really great, consistent game of ping pong. Mm. If I hit the ball to you, bounce once, you hit it back, bounce once, hit it back, bounce once, we have a rhythm and we're gonna keep that relationship going for as long as possible. Now let's say you hit it back just a little bit harder because you were either having a bad day or you just just tripped up. But I took it as, oh, you wanna, oh, you trying to be hard with me or you trying to, I misread it into an action that you didn't mean or maybe you did mean but I could have just hit it soft back to you to level out our consistency again bring it back to what it is and communicate with you to be like 
are you okay? Did I make you angry? What's going on? But instead, some of us bitches hit it back equally hard. Like, oh, you want to play that way? Well, shit, you can't have me that way. and Or you can't have me that easily. And you throw it back hard. And then now you have a different rhythm. Or you hold back because you want to play silent treatment. So you put your paddle down and you don't hit it back at all. Mm-hmm. Now the dude's like, wait, what? Is she crazy? Or you just throw off the pattern just by not consistently hitting the ball the way it should. If we keep the ball in play, imagine if you're in a relationship and whatever you're doing, but your reaction comes back as keeping the ball in consistent play, you can carry out that relationship and keep it alive. Mm -hmm. But the second you change up your mood, kind of what you just described, Shan, that's when you veer the relationship in a different direction and it could be based on misunderstandings and feels that are not really concrete to what makes a relationship last or gives you guys the best energy to make you guys work through whatever it was. Yeah, and don't make somebody else pay for your mistake, right? If you overinvested in a relationship before it actually was logical, it's not that other person's fault Mm. because they stayed true to a pace that was good for them. So if anything, it's like, wow, I should model what this person is doing because they seem to be able to keep their cool. It's me who has made the mistake of going too far too fast and now I don't like who I show up in this relationship as. Okay, so I want to ask you, in this day and age where everybody encourages sex and to give it up and, and to get some and Tinder and swipe right and, you know, grinder, what would you say in order to promote intimacy first off in a relationship, what are the questions we should ask ourselves before we go ahead and say, you know what, it's time for us to have sex or it's time for me to be open to having sex with you? Yeah, I feel like good intimacy is more about putting yourself in a position to like who you are and less about liking the other person. Explain. You want to be able to, if you're going to have sex with somebody, you want to love the experience the next day. And you want to be able to be the best version of yourself around that person the next day because you felt like you were in celebration of what's best for you. So I feel like if you've always focused on, is this going to make me act weird? Is this going to make me feel insecure? Is this going to put me in a disadvantage in the relationship? Then you don't do it. You only make actions that are based on Is this going to allow me to continue to be the fucking coolest, hottest, sexiest, most free version of myself? Because that's when good things come to me. Um, I always say with any sexual encounter, you want to ensure two things are involved. Consent, obviously. Are we both wanting to do this and of sound mind to say yes to this? And then intent. Why do you want to do this? And if you really listen in, in a heterosexual relationship, men are often pretty honest about intent. I think that we have this notion because in teenage years, I loved that I did this. I did a bunch of interview with men just about their sex in general, their sex no lives. Kind of how we did. Well, just explain, like, like how? And but just what like age were the men? Kind of, the, they're adults now. But the same way I asked you, like, when did you first masturbate? Like, what was your first sexual you crush? Dudes this. Yes. Okay. And every dude will say that they went through a period of time where masturbation or orgasming was identical to eating. Like, they were like a starving beggar. They yeah. had to come, like... Sometimes like this one dude said, he's like, I honestly sexually abused myself. I would masturbate so much the skin got raw. And real. so I think that in high school, yes, men lie to get sex because they're desperate. But as they get older and hopefully you're not having sex with high school men, I don't think men lie that much. I think they're actually pretty honest about what their intent is for wanting to engage with you or what they see it as. And so there's nothing wrong with asking somebody exactly what you said, like. What, what's up? Like, why do you want to do this? Like, how do you think this would benefit us? And if they're like, I just want to have a good time to let you know something. If they say, I feel a really strong connection with you and I, I really want this to be an advancement of what I feel we could have in the future, you know that their intent is something different. So if your consent's aligned and your intent's aligned um, and you feel like the next day you're still going to like who you can show up as in the relationship as, I'd say go for it. Wow. And the fact that we're even just discussing to talk about when that moment is to have sex. How many people do you think do that nowadays? 
Not a lot, but I think because they, they don't do it right. Like, I love the advice that you gave. I, I'm honestly going to use that all the time because talking about sex should mirror good sex. Like, if talking about sex does not feel sexy, you're not going to want to do it. So if the conversation around sexual health is, can I talk to you for a second? Mm. When was the last time you were tested? What is your doctor's name? Like, what what kind of screens did you get? I, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. If it's like, man, like if it's sexy and cool, like, man, I, I make sure that I get tested every three months because I love when my body feels good and I feel healthy. Like, what about you? Like, what's your sexual health routine? And what's your favorite condom? I love using condoms. Like the ribbed one makes me feel so turned on because it gives me that. <laughs> like, can we have these conversations so they yeah. sound like something you want to be a part you of? You right. spin it well. You I'll tell you that you just spin it well, but um, what is the spin though? What it's just so I can well, get technical it, you made it for cool. people. Well, uh, well, okay. First of all, you brought up some things I would never even think of, but uh, you said you said something like, "Am I gonna feel awkward afterwards?" Like guys never even think about that. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think we're forever. Men never think they're gonna feel awkward after a sexual encounter. Not we don't really because it's it's. I don't Why know. is that? It, is it because society judges women if we give it up, or we feel like you know it's the win? We we opened our legs. We you popped my cherry. It's always on the yeah. women that the permission was hap- had happened. You just clued me into that that the way the th- things that you guys think about that oh. I, I didn't even realize. You that. know what? Yeah, I used to say that right. all the time, and I'm I'm disappointed. I still carry this mentality with me, but I see it as a win if I've had an intimate relationship with somebody and did not fuck them. Whereas in men, see it as a win if they got to fuck somebody in a relationship. No, I do the same thing. Yeah, I talked about this on my show when everybody was kind of questioning the relationship that I'm in right now. Which, congratulations. Thanks, It just looks so loving and fun. He's an amazing man. But he's an amazing man because he allows me to exercise all of these things. And not only he allows, he does it as well. So I don't want to say like he's letting me as if I needed permission. But he reciprocates this type of grown communication so that we can have this exchange together. But on my first day... That was the biggest triumph was we had all this great experience and time and close connection and he didn't kiss me. That was a win to me. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, we did not have to do the thing that everybody needs to do to feel like, okay, we are about to move on to sex afterwards. Like we didn't have any notion that had sex in the future. It was really just let's connect as human beings and really grow from a seed, a relationship that feels close and um attractive to what we really want and what we really want at the end of the day of the relationship is not just sex sex is the reward to it it's really just intimacy yes okay because you are an intimacy educator i have to ask this in the world of stds and unsafe sex what is the number one std that's going around out there is the condom the best way still Mm -hmm. since i've learned in high school to protect ourselves and what do we need to know more since advanced information Yes, so HPV is still the number one sexually transmitted infection. What's the street term for HPV? Human papillomavirus. What the fuck? I never heard of that, girl. HPV? What? Is that a herpes? No, it is like a form. form, It's not a form of AIDS. It's a form. It can be a form of genital herpes. What is it? It can be like it can. um, HPV can manifest in genital warts. There's over seventy strains of HPV. It's the one that causes cervical cancer. Okay, so, so a, that's the number one common STD that's going around yes, the street. But there's 70 strains. Some will be cleared naturally by your body. So that's why you have to get a pap test. Mm-hmm. You know? And if okay. you have an abnormal pap, you should be going once every six months, if not once a year. If you have normal paps, you can go once every two years. But uh, HPV, I think like almost every woman will have some form of it in her lifetime. Uh, chlamydia, I think. So when I was growing up, one in four people under the age of 24 were going to contract a sexually trans- transmitted infection. The number is now one in two. 
Ooh. Yeah, and that's a CDC stat. To 50% of people contracting this. Yes. Contracting chlamydia or any STD? Any STI at all. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay, so that given that information, we just talked about what you should ask yourself and ready yourself in order to engage in sex with whoever your partner is. The next question should be the test. The oh, it ugly. should be. So how do you ask this? How important is it? At what time of the relationship should you ask this? Give me all that because I don't think people think about that nowadays. We just think about whether or not you're going back to his house and whether or not you have to um, have a condom around you. Like that's, I think that's the most people think about nowadays before they hook up. Mm-hmm. You guys, it's, I don't know how to say this. Like this what? is even more thought than I've ever even put into Even though I had like, like sex talks before and stuff like that. Like yeah. not with my parents, but like with friends and stuff. Yeah. And uh, with you, Junie, right? Yeah. Um, mine is basically like, hey, are you clean? And then, just, we have to real. think about no, that's no real. condom yes. or anything like yes. I, oh, because shit. I don't I don't I don't like condoms honestly. Mm-hmm. But then, but yeah. do you get afraid of getting Micro. the girl pregnant? Because most guys, that's I think my, it, that's my biggest fear. So Shan, tell me but if I'm wrong about this. I think men use the condom only because they don't want to get her pregnant. They that's, don't really yeah. think about STDs or protection. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Correct. Okay. M- me for me, no, I know other people, but I don't like condoms. I don't yeah, know well, you know when someone says I don't like sushi, and your next question is like, what have you had the California roll, and that's it. So like, there is like <laughs> fifty different types of condoms. Oh, I don't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah, all different types of like different materials. There's condoms that do different things. They come with different lubes. There's some condoms for men that can help them last longer in bed if that's an issue for you. There's can I some... ask you a question? If, yes. If the um. If STDs wasn't a problem, would you wear a con- would you have guys wear a condom? Hmm, Are there condoms that you would like? Well, I that you prefer. Um, I'm married. The and of? I still use some condoms sometimes. Huh? It's like a part of like Wait, our what? sex toy play. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, like which a, one is the sex toy play? Like there's an extended what? pleasure one that like helps somebody. Like, so if I want a really long time, for example, and we want to like make sure it lasts longer, like some desensitization. Des- what's someone looking for? Desensitized. Desensitization mm. um, is good. I like the ribbed one because I like the like. My a lot of women who aren't orgasmers through vaginal penetration, the majority of your nerve endings are in the opening. So uh, the actual vaginal wall has as many nerve endings as the back of your hand. So like that is what sex feels like on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that thrust, that first push in is where the pleasure is. So I like a condom with like an extra rib over top of it. Okay, Shan, we got to get into though. What does the conversation sound like after you have agreed that you are ready to have sex with your partner? What should the conversation sound like so you make sure y'all don't jump into this 50% of people contracting disease? Yeah, make it fun and sexy, like I said. Like, I want to caution you, like, never, ever use the word clean. Because if I have mm-hmm. herpes, I have to admit that I'm dirty, and I'm not going to do that, right? So that's already positioned that's so in a way that you're setting it up for the person to lie. Um, so you oh, have to so use true. language of, like... You know, like what makes what how do you celebrate your sexual health or like, man, like I love sex so much. I love being really free with it. This is what I enjoy. Um, I go to the gynecologist a lot. I go to the doctor a lot to have these conversations. I actually just um, was screened for sexually transmitted infections two months ago. What about you? So if you can always use it like for yourself first, um, you can ask any question if you position it in a way that it doesn't look like you have an answer in mind. So how do you do that? Give me an example. There's a difference between me saying something to you like, um, you know, are you looking for a relationship right now? Like, are you serious about finding partnership? Are you just kind of fucking around? Or if I say to you something. That felt felt accusatory. Right. It It felt like I was asking like. Cornered. cornered, Exactly. I'm cornering. 
versus like, how do you celebrate love right now? Like, how do you celebrate connection? What does that look like for you? What kind of connections are exciting? Oh, I feel like flowers. Yeah, and then now you're like, oh. Um, I work with a lot of people who have herpes, a lot. And it's so fascinating because all of them struggle with that conversation of how do I bring it up and when do I bring it up? And a lot of people forego bringing it up at all because they're like, I haven't had an outbreak in a long time. And, you know, not all condoms protect against herpes. It depends on where the outbreak exists. So... I always remind them that the person who gave them herpes had that exact same conversation with themselves and decided they didn't have to tell you. And, you know, so you do have to disclose, but it's a part of all of us to change the dialogue so it feels like disclosing doesn't mean you're now a dirty person. Okay. Shan, there's so much more that I want to ask you, but I first want to get to your book. Tell us about this amazing book that you launched and congratulations. Yes! And you look really pretty on your website, dude. Oh, thank you. Yes. Tell us about it. It's called The Game of Desire. I worked with six women who were down on luck daters and essentially it was just to show <laughs> that it's a skill, you know, yeah. communicating mm. with people, being a good uh, relationship, being in good relationships, being good at flirting is a skill like cooking, cleaning, etc. It is not this thing that you're either born with or not born with. So I work with six women who identified as terrible at flirting, bad at relationships, short end of the stick daters to see if I could turn their love lives around. How do we get this book? All places that books are sold, but you can actually get it for free on Audible if you go to audible.com slash shambooty. Free dollars. Yeah. Well, if you sign up for an Audible um, cool. free trial. That's yes. so sweet of you. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. <laughs> Shan, I have so many more questions with you, but I want to know from my podcast listeners, how'd you guys vibe with all of the information that Shan had to provide? I'm... If you've noticed, my last few podcasts have really been centered around self-help because I hear from you guys and I read every single DM that you guys send me. I'm learning what my audience is about. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird when you have a bunch of followers. I look at my followers and I hate it, but it says 1.8 mil. I have 1.8 million eyeballs looking at me and I don't know you guys. I don't know what you want to hear more about. If we could sit and have drinks every night, what would we talk about? The reason why I made this podcast is because I want to feel like I'm literally kicking with you guys, having this talk that you guys are in the room with me. So this is how we communicate. I want to start doing this from now on so that I learn which guests you like, who you want back, and what questions I should ask from you. So if you like this podcast, number one, follow Shan Booty on Instagram. Let's support her work because she's an amazing voice yeah, and we yeah. want to make sure she gets out there at Shan Booty. Number two, Booty with a D, by the way. S-H-A-N-B-O-O-D-Y. Number two, I always post my podcasts on my gram. Please make sure every Monday or Tuesday when I post, go to the gram post and comment below why you like Shan. If you did, if you didn't, yo, be real with it. I want to hear from you. Why you like the information Shan gives and what other questions you would have wanted to ask. So Shan, we're going to follow you on Instagram. We're also going to buy your book. Do you have any last words you want to tell us? You're incredible. I just oh. want to say that I do a lot of podcasts. Yeah. You are so fucking good at what you do. It's incredible. Oh, shit. Girl, this is like my second, no, my third week. Are you serious? Well, you're a professional host and you're a professional speaker. But even I think as an intimacy expert, like you have a wealth of knowledge. I'm really blown away. I'm doing a tap dance right now. <laughs> really my blown kicks away. so much. I love you, Shan. No, I'm a big fan of yours. So I can't wait to learn more about you. And um, we're going to stay connected. But to everybody else out there, thank you for listening. And thank you, Dennis, for being with me. Subscribe. Comment. Subscribe, yeah. yeah, subscribe, comment, and let us know in the comments on my gram how you felt about this. And make sure to follow Shan Booty so you can let her know how her time with us was today and how it helped you. We love you, honey. Mm-hmm.